showing up. It's showing up. You say, what's that? Two like-minded people fucking off racks. Ain't no insecurities about a place. You can see she happy. It's written on the face. The price is right. And I'm one lucky motherfucker since she came in my life. Got her own money. Got her own crib. Got her own car. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship. Hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love 
love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you my friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download. To LWAFL MLY. Why? Why? I'm keeping it. Say the acronym up front. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> We're going to restart? No way. We're, we started. Welcome to LWAFL MLYT. That stands for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Happy to be here again. Excited about today's movie and excited to hear your commentary with all the missteps and burps and hiccups. It's going to be great. Great. I didn't uh, research this movie at all. I just, it's in my DNA. I know this movie by heart. So. Gotcha. We You're are ahead of it. You're ahead of it. Of what? Uh, I was a stupid pun for the title of our movie today. How about a big shout out to Pam Benjamin and what she does down there at Mutiny? We are all over the map. A big shout out to Pam Benjamin, our station manager here at Mutiny Radio, where we broadcast every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 5 p.m. Eastern on mutinyradio.fm. All you have to do is type in mutinyradio.fm. It will take you to pcrcollective.org. And from there, you can just click and stream live. We have a lot of great entertainment on the show, on the on the station, including our show prior to us. Right. It's really happening. It's really happening, girl. 
No, mm-hmm. what do they have to do with Luke? Right. That's what you've got to put the tag at the end. We are Muni Radio. We broadcast every Sunday. You can also find us by our podcast, which goes by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. <laughs> Easy to remember. What's that? Easy to remember. you got to think about it before you say it. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Well, let's break it down. Let's is L. Okay. Right. Watch. Okay. W. Watch. Uh, is A. Uh-huh. Full name. There's no hyphen. It's just L. Just F-L. L. Uh, M. Um, for movie. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. On. That's obviously on. Yeah. And then Y, which is U, and then T for two. Hmm, that one word, YouTube, two initial, two uh, letters for, okay, you must not have made this up. Yeah, well, mistakes were made. Uh, we, uh, so we do broadcast, we do have our podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. You know what the YouTube channel goes by, Carl? L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Now, that's Carl. Carl's the mastermind of the show. He actually researches movies, watches them several times, and on the YouTube channel, he syncs up the movies we watch. We're going to watch Mm -hmm. a full-length movie in real time and puts on our podcast. So it's another way to enjoy the old YouTube. So we are going to watch a full-length movie with you. Uh, You're going to watch the movie on YouTube, and you're going to listen to us right now. uh, Sync it up. Carl, what is the movie this week? Today we are going to watch Head 1968. Head! 1968. Now, what you put in the, look, it's real important because there's a version with commercials. So you want to put in Head, The Monkeys, 1968, VHS quality full movie. You probably don't have to put the whole thing in, but it's Head-The Monkeys. Now, Monkeys is M-O-N-K-E-E-S, M-O-N-K-E-E-S, 1968, VHS quality full movie. And the right. channel we like is, it's also weird. It's Mordrach McTire, Mordrach McTire, M-O-R-D-R-O-C-H. Right. M-O, I'm starting over, M-O-R-D-R-O-C-H-M-A-C-T-I-R-E, like like a car's tire. So it's all one word, more, M-O-R-Drach T-R-O-C-H, thank you, channel guy, Mac, M-A-C, and Tire, like your car, T-I-R-E. No, I'm thrilled to see this movie on YouTube. During the 90s, Rhino uh, Records released it on video set and yeah. DVD, and I owned it. It's a great come-down movie, uh, and now it's on YouTube, so that is really exciting. We are so excited because this is the second time we've watched this movie, one of the rare movies we've repeated. Uh, we did it a couple of, a few years ago. Yeah. We were watching one movie, then we switched to another, and then ultimately we wound up watching Ted. So we had yep. three movies that episode. But out of the three, we really like Ted, and we want to revisit it. Uh, and the commentary is going to be pretty thick. We're going to assume you've already seen it. Uh, so I do recommend, if you haven't seen it, Jesus, take an afternoon. Yeah, um, please. Watch, yeah. Stop what really, you're doing. Check out. It's an enjoyable movie. Uh, and uh, we should mention, just before we start, The Monkees, which uh, the Beatles ripped off the pun by Jim They did. Uh, it was a TV show during the 60s, and it, it replicated The Beatles, and it was kind of like a hard day and night every 30 minutes, you know, a little <laughs> uh, Beatles movie. And uh, when they broke up, they did a co- uh, Coda movie. This is theatrically released film, and it was a total bomb. But it's basically the end of... Uh, 
the monkeys. It was the end of the monkeys, at least until their like um, retro comeback in the in the late nineties, thanks to MTV. Oh, I would say eighties, right? Because the, the MTV started rebroadcasting their episodes, and then they did the new monkeys television show, which I auditioned for, and then they had uh, a. Reunion. I think you're right. The eighties. Let's see. Uh, I have to gauge it by my high school. So I think it was early to early 80s. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> by the way, I didn't uh, have any musical talent. I just wanted to audition those mm -hmm. high school things. So with uh, the history of it down, let us uh, go ahead. Now, we want you to click that link we were telling you about. So head is a very common word. So we want you to type head, DHS, low quality. 1968, and you'll get to that more doctoral link. When you see it, click it, hit pause immediately, move your timer to zero, 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 and uh, we're going to say go. You're going to hit play. Now, are we saying go? Well, yeah. I'm or who's saying go? Who is That's saying the go? question. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I don't know who it is, but I'm sure he's from New Jersey. Do what? I don't know who will say go, but I'm sure he's from New Jersey. Yes. Okay. So here it is. A very exciting segment. Very excited to bring up this segment. It's called Celebrity Comedian Countdown, where Carl finds the funniest comedian from the state of New Jersey to do the countdown. Uh, I have. I don't listen to these. These are uh, produced in advance, but I can honestly say this is probably the funniest comedian I've ever seen. Particularly, <laughs> uh, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Joe Gorman. Welcome, Joe. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. Now, we've known each other a long time. A long time. Yeah, and I just kind of bumped into the fact that all the San Francisco comedians I know, you already know from living out there. That's right. That's right. I made a, quite a name for myself in the uh, 13 or so odd years of me uh, grinding it out in the San Francisco comedy scene. Now, right now, this moment, you are on Mutiny Radio, but you're no stranger to being on Mutiny Radio, right? Abs absolutely not. I know everyone at uh, Mutiny Radio, and I know all about the Mutiny Radio uh, Comedy Festival and all yeah. that good stuff. That was the last time I was out there. This year, of course, with COVID, it was a problem. But I was out there last March, just the second before COVID really shut everyone down. I was uh -huh. flying home during that. But that's how you know Mike Spiegelman and you know Paul Brumba and, of course, Bam Benjamin. Um, but now that you're here on the East Coast, you're doing something that people in San Francisco still are involved with. That's your Zoom show every Friday night. Yes, I have a, a Zoom show on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, basically, uh, just as long as the uh, quarantine is going on and, you know, comics don't have a lot of access to stage time and open mics to kind of work on stuff. I'm uh, providing a place on Zoom free of charge where comics can just do five-minute sets. Uh, I stream it on Facebook Live. We get plenty of viewers. We get about 500 views each week. Yeah, uh, it's, nice. it's getting pretty popular. We get about 30 comics each week. That's great. And I used to do Zoom shows that you would come to. That's right. And in between Zoom shows, you're out there on the streets of Manhattan doing street comedy uh, with our good buddy Anthony Quinn, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Your boiler room 
Zoom mic was was the first time I was uh, I did a Zoom mic and I saw more than I think five people mm-hmm. on a on a Zoom and I was like, yeah. holy crap! Like people, these Zoom <laughs> things can be fun if we just get enough people in it that that want to do it. You yeah. know, that was that was the changing thing uh, for me. You know, and uh, yeah, like like you said, uh, when I'm not doing the Zoom comedy. Uh, me and my buddy Anthony Quinn will just go to various places throughout New York, uh, anywhere we can go to, and and basically just uh, you know set up a little camera and just take to the street, interacting with people if they walk by, but mostly just you know riffing, uh, stream of consciousness comedy, just whatever you know. Uh, just now, see, I did to keep one. Sharp. I did like one or two with you. We went to that um, uh, park in Harlem twice. That's right. And of course, I've seen you uh, at Cellar Seventy Seven a lot. Uh, Manhattan's starting to, you know, become comedy again. Oh, I, I think I guess it's old news for you, but COVID is opening up, and uh, and we're out there again. I think. Yeah, that's- yeah, we're we're getting uh, we're we're almost done with it, man. We're, I feel like we're in the home stretch. So when the lockdown started, the boiler room could no longer be in person. So what I wanted to do was remind people that the boiler room exists so that, you know, the two or three months when we're past this, they'll be back every every uh, Tuesday at the boiler room. So I started to get it going. I started making personal invites. That's why you saw so many people. I had to ramp it up, ramp it up, ramp it up until it was, you know, a packed house. Uh-huh. It's so great to hear that that inspired you to, to realize, yeah, Zoom could be a real thing. Yeah, it still it is. Art. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the only reason I started doing my Zoom was because uh, the boiler room wasn't happening anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so no. I, like, I guess I got to, no, I'm like, I guess I got to do something. Uh, I guess I got to do something else. That's when we, that must have been July when we opened up. And yeah. started going to the boil. Uh, well, it switched to the reserve club, but we, we were out there live again. Now, I think you're very, very animated on stage. You have, you know, you throw the mic, and that's what I'm talking about. You have enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? Because you've got, I go up there sometimes, and I'm not feeling it, and I do a kind of quiet set. You don't mm-hmm. have that option. That's not your persona. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just really enjoy, like, even if I have a shitty, awful, awful day where mm-hmm. I just don't want to do anything, I still want to do stand-up comedy. Like yeah. nothing's gonna make me not want to do, even if it's a bad crowd. Like I don't, for, for whatever reason, the anticipation of bombing, <laughs> and it's like that's just wild. It's wild that somebody would like pay for a ticket to go see a comedy show and then like not even like attempt to frame laughter when the person is like you know trying to make them laugh. And that that yeah. I don't know, it cracks me up. Where it's like, hey, all right, man. well, I'm still you know I'm still gonna get paid, so whatever, you know. Yeah. The audience member is paying money to not enjoy themselves. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, their loss. Where can people find you out there? Social media, website, YouTube channel. All, what you got going? Yeah, on? man. I'm all over. I'm on. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Joe W Gorman. Um, I have a. I have a, a podcast with uh, two other New York comedians, Robbie Goodwin and Dalton Pruitt. Uh-huh. We're called Loud Boys. Um, we we got a bunch of episodes. We got a Patreon going. It's been it's been so much fun. That was one of the best things to come out of uh, lockdown. Was I started yeah. doing um, th- this podcast with a couple of my friends out here, and uh, it's it's been going really well. We've been getting a lot of opportunities through it. So That's grateful terrific. for that. Yeah. And what about a website? Or do you have one? 
I have one. I haven't updated it in forever. If there's any web designers that are listening to this and would like to help me, uh, please, please help me. Uh, my my website, I, I pay for the domain every year um, and, and I just never use it, but I'd rather not. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Exactly. Uh, but you can go to joegormancomedy.com. Uh, take a look at my abysmal website and say, I need to help this person. <laughs> Perfect. Inspire them to contact you. Yes. Okay. So here we are in the studios of Mutiny Radio, wink, wink. And everyone at home is going to enjoy this film at the same time as us. We're all going to press play uh, when you say go. So let's have the, the celebrity comedian countdown. All righty. Get ready. Three, two, one, go. Wow. That's low quality VHS. Yeah, but it. Oh, he, uh, you think he used the Rhino version, or that he actually recorded this? I guess it's Rhino. Look, here's FBI yeah. warning. Huh. Uh huh. There's the Rhino logo. It was such a big deal, and I went to Borders and I paid no Barnes and Noble at Borders, and I paid like twenty bucks for it. It makes total sense, and I'm sure at the day it was worth it. Whoa! Oh, wow, we got the trailer up front. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Well, there was a famous uh, trailer to this movie that didn't help. It was a young man with a shaved head. Yes. And he had, like, doughy, like, innocent eyes and hippie eye. Mm -hmm. And he was just staring to the camera, and it would say, head. And there yeah, was no mention, no mention of the monkeys, no mention right. of them. No pictures of them? Yeah. I think... Like we're watching, we're watching I, a clip. <clears throat> well, I'm, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead, say, we're watching a clip. It's the trailer after that. It wasn't the TV promotion, right? Yeah, they must have done two trailers. I mean, the scene we're watching now is a part of the movie where they show images of the film throughout. So they didn't Sorry. want the monkeys in the ads for fears that critics and fans wouldn't come. Now, what are they talking about? It's your movie. Well, let's say you, uh, I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent. You know, there was something that's on TV, super free, it kind of rides a sensation, and then you're sick of it. Uh, I guess, but why release a movie and are you trying to scam the audience? Like, let's go see this movie. Who knows what it is? Oh, it's the monkeys. It doesn't make any sense. That's the nuttiest part. It's rated G. Yeah, it is rated G. And this was one of the first movies ever to put the rating up front. You know, that's very common today. Of course, it's every movie. You got to do that. This was the first movie to really do that. Now, one thing I should mention, because we're going to be talking over the audio. Um, the audio is exceptional, right? Uh -huh. I mean... This is a very cartoon world. If you're familiar with the TV show from the 60s, it has very, like, cartoon language. You know, the way they walk, the way they talk, and it yeah. has this kind of colorful 60s look. But the sound itself is extremely cartoonish. You know, mm -hmm. listen to the honking. Like, there must have been a guy who was in uh, the sound department just having a field day. It was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson did it. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Jack Nicholson co-wrote this movie, and he shows up in a kind of miserable scene, but uh, he did not do the sound. 
Wait, uh, okay, uh, this is according to the internet. I don't know if it's true. Jack Nicholson compiled the soundtrack album, which approximates the flow of the movie and includes oh, yeah. large portions of the dialogue. He saw Michael Nesbitt at work in the studio, asked if he could help, and Nesmith just let him take over because I wanted to go home. Yeah, that sounds like a Nesbitt thing. No, but I'm talking about like the honking and the beeping. Listen to the, he walks by these soldiers and one's going to go blip, blurp. Here, <laughs> you want to bring the sound up? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, I guess they didn't bleep blurp it, but uh, you hear like the, the sound, the rhythmic uh, clicking and the beeping. and the... Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 wonderful. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. It's just this universe they create. There, there's the static of the microphone. And also, what a way to start this movie. Yeah. Right, they got tested and they got the, the echo going. Right, it, it's, it's a little funny because it works for the cop and not for the mayor. Right, yeah. So, uh, this is we, Long Beach, California. This is uh, the oh, Gerald Desmond Bridge, apparently. Oh, wow. No shit. Mm hmm. So, again, like this, we've seen this movie a couple of times, and we hope you have too. This movie begins at the ending. Yeah. Which, uh, I, I guess time travel movies have done that before, but <laughs> the movie Triangle, but. No, but uh, this begins at the end. Look, there's no beginning credits. Another extremely rare, unheard of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, now is more common. Boom! Here comes Mickey. Now, this is pretty much the, uh, the whole point of the Monkeys television show, is that they do something, and in the second half, they just get chased. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the sound effects, the bleeping, the blurping. I really loved the show, how silly it was. I didn't appreciate the uh, trying to be the Beatles, but I understand exactly what they were doing. That's They wouldn't exist if not for that. Now, look, this is like a little suicidal, but he doesn't die, so I guess it's not. Well, I think that was the point. I mean, if we're going to say that the beginning is the end. They want to kill themselves. And at the end, they try to kill themselves. And the big joke is that the entertainment show never ends. Right. There's no way that they can die. It just restarts again. The internet claims there are so many continuity issues with this fall. I don't really care. Absolutely. I mean, Davey went in with his ankle, but if you take a close look, it's his shirt that's wet first. <laughs> it's that sort. Okay, so now you saw he was in Long Beach, California. Now in the real world, he's in the Bahamas. Oh, wow. This is a great song, by the way. It's so trippy. You know, it's so 60. It's a Burt Bacharach song, isn't it? Dolphin song? I don't know, but I do know it's Monkey's Dolphin song release, and it's really good. Burt Bacharach, that's a possibility. hes He was an author for uh, them and so many others. Oh, the ocean. He said, hey, buddy, uh, what you got for me, Paolo? Well, Frank, I got you a song about a dolphin. No way. <laughs> Give to the monkeys. This is very psychedelic as we do the... the uh, right. This, this is the head part, I guess. And it's not chroma key. This is not video. This was colorized. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so Here this is... Mermaid. Film. Now, this is Carol Doda, who's a famous stripper from San Francisco during the 60s. Uh-huh. She had a strip club on North Beach where uh, uh, the sign showed up for Bodacious Hot Dogs. They had... Uh, 
In fact, you could see the sign in the movie Another 48 Hours. That's where that expression came from? Yeah, but it's a Tata. It was Carol Tata. Wow. No, I I don't know. Oh. (laughs) It's a 60s movie. I'm using 60s slang. That's groovy, man. I can dig it. Dig it. Dig out. So one time I got lucky with this mermaid. You know, and she brought me to her like underwater cave and we were going to do it, but I couldn't find it, Mike. It was just like a fishy, there was a, there was a tail. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't, there was no, uh, there's nothing to spread. I, 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 I didn't get lucky that night, even though I got lucky that night. Tell me more about your, your attempt to have sex with a mermaid. <laughs> you know that rumor, like it smells fishy down there. It's true, Mike. It's all it's not a stereotype. I guess this uh, is true. Uh, the fish rots at the head. <laughs> at the movie. You know, uh, I, I'm not a fan of mermaids. You know who I really hate is Aquaman. What a prick. Yeah. You know, he showed up because he thought I was yelling, kelp, kelp me. <laughs> he wasn't going to help me. He no, thought he, I was handing out. I was selling. He thought I was a vendor on the street. Kelp. Kelp. Uh, oh, I'm, I'll have a little kelp. Oh, I'll, yeah. Mike, please tell me you wrote that joke so I can use it at the open mic. Oh, that is, not only did I write that joke, not only did I tweet that joke years ago, <laughs> every time I use it on stage, I have to say, okay, imagine, uh, here's the premise, but first uh, understand that Aquaman exists, and I was in peril, and I need to call Aquaman, and leave the premise and go. So this is a really gross scene, but it is in the movie. No, this is a very good scene because one girl kisses four separate boys, and that's great. We want to promote that. And it's Jack Nicholson's current girlfriend. Really? I thought that was Carol Dota. Uh, I'll get the name for you. But it is his... uh... There we go. Really? There's Davey. No, not Davey. Petey. So he Peter Tork passed away recently. Uh, yeah, Jones passed away. Uh, David, we know he went. Yep. Uh, I don't really want to mention this, but uh, I I follow a gossip site called Crazy Nights and Days, and they had a blind item saying that Michael Nesbitt's uh, caretakers is just exploiting him. And, and oh. Isolating him from his family and stuff like that. I I had an incident. Uh, that's the wrong word. I I one time saw Mickey Dolan's in person. Did, did you ever meet any of them or anything? No, not at all. So I was in Los Angeles for work, not for anything cool, because I'm nobody. And um, I got on an airplane, and there was old, old man Mickey Dolitz. And he had the, the, the hippie 60s hat on, and he had the vest. He was dressed up like 60s. I just left him alone, but other people were like, oh, it's, you know, it's you. And uh, he was meeting a lot of people, and... He seemed very nice. He seems very nice. Yeah, you know, he's been a, an at child actor. I mean, it, this movie kind of plays up the fact that he's been in show business for so long. But he comes well, across. His father, uh, his father was an actor. In one of these scenes, there will be a, um, a guy named um, uh, RCA Victor, and he will be wearing the same exact outfit he wore with Mickey Dolenz's father when they made a movie together. Interesting. And the guy's name is R.K. Victor. Interesting. Right. 
I should mention the scene. This is the scene we saw on the trailer. It's showing clips from the movie as it worked as a TV set. So all these, like, dancing, there's Tony Basel. Uh, we're going to see this. There's Vicky getting attacked by bees. But, you know, because this is pop culture during the war, it ends with that infamous scene of the guy getting shot in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, really of the times. Yeah. And this song is saying the money's in, we're made of tin. You know, hey, hey, we are the monkeys. So they're they're kissing on themselves up front. Yeah, and they do in this whole movie. In this movie, they step away from their bubblegum image and try to be hippies. Not try to be. They they genuinely are. I don't mean they're dishonest, but I'm saying they want to change their image, and that's what this right. film is about. Well, I think all the everyone involved are, are really good, and the product they came out with was great. But they're trying yeah. to. Yeah, give me a, what does this spell? War. Right. I guess, this I guess they're saying that their groupies are the equivalent to the Vietnam. Well, no, now, I don't know why, but now they will be in a war. I don't know that it's Vietnam. Right. Uh, okay, here it is. I found it. Muriel Machu is the girl who kisses all four of the monkeys near the start of the film, Jack Nicholson's girlfriend at the time. I was totally wrong. No, that's okay. I also found his name is Victor Mature. Mature? Victor Mature. He's a famous actor, dude. And it was George Dolenz who was Mickey's father. He was in a film called Timbuktu in 1958. And when there's this cop in a bathroom, we'll see him in the mirror. He's sure. wearing the same costume. Uh, poor Davy. See, Davy's so shorty. Well, because you, you get to see, like, like Pete. Peter is like, I don't care. Here, take my helmet. Right? I don't care about this. And Mickey's always pissed off in this movie. He's great. You see how he bumped his own head just then? Yeah. Look at that fro, man. He must have had protection. Right now, he's like, why wear a helmet? For what? You know? Right. Like, Mickey seems like such a classic professional. Like, that, of course, in the in the older Mickey era, he's going to dress like he's 60s. He still looks like Mickey Dolan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was clearly him when he was, I mean, his face was very aged, but so what? That's Mickey. It was so clear. And let me tell you, Mickey, he was so fine. He was so fine. He blew my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. She's in this. Yeah, oh, yeah. She dances with Davey. They do, uh, they do costume changes and they do. Like, Maybe this is why you knew so much about her, Tony Basil, when we did uh, the um, Robert Downey Sr. film. Yeah, that's Who's right. Uh, well, she sort of had a little renaissance. Um, Quentin Tarantino used her to do the choreography of the dances. And, the, uh, mm-hmm. and she teaches 60s dancing uh, online, like a $10 class. You see the football? Yeah. So I guess they're saying like American football and war is the same. This kind of reminds me of Super Mario World where they have a football player too. That, <laughs> that helmet is an new helmet. See, that's America. Now that's maybe some famous old retiree and I didn't catch it in research. Oh, yeah. I thought he was representing the male psyche. Look how cool he looks, man. <laughs> Here's a yeah. helmet for you. Oh, thanks. You know what his name was supposed to be in the series? Wilco. No. What? 
They were going to oh. call him Wool Hat or Wool Cap because he wore that hat. He did. So that went away, though. Um, let me see. Where is it? Okay. At no time during the film does Michael Nesmith wear his trademark wool cap. He was never seen without it during the early part of the Monkeys in 66, but it disappeared about halfway through the second season and was henceforth only seen in segments when it had been filmed ahead of time. So it was a neat little, like, um, uh, what's the word? A catchphrase for him, but I guess he quit on it. Right. So now they got in war, and now here comes a post-traumatic stress disorder screaming teenagers. This is actually not in California, one of the few places. It's uh, Salt Lake City. It's a place called Valley Music Hall. Now, when huh. Nicholson was writing the film, he he tour, he didn't tour with He went on tour with them and hung out. And Oh, you want to hear this song? No, I just... Uh... <laughs> I forgot the song. Like, it's really good. I think it's a Michael Nesbitt song. Yeah, here we go again. Right, and there's shots of uh, pop music and then war. Yeah. This is a good record, and it didn't do well. It was on the billboards. Uh, let's see here. I have it somewhere close by. It really did poorly. This, okay, here it is. Um... The head soundtrack peaked at number 45 in the U.S. charts, the first time the Monkees album had not risen to the top five, and Porpoise Song, which was really good. Yeah, that's uh, the Dolphin Song. Also was the first single not to make the top 40. So it didn't even get on to... Which is crazy, because two years ago, they were cranking out number one albums. Yeah. Mm. They didn't do it on Porpoise. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What do you think? There's an about why this thing bombed. Uh, well, I can think of several reasons why. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so it's 1968, and the monkeys are over. One. Two, they are killing their, their, their brand, right? We've seen the death of a pop culture brand. And people uh -huh. don't really want to see that. You know? It's not really the direction they want to see. How Did you see the there? footage? You just saw the footage? This is like eight times they showed that guy getting shot in the head. Yeah, because it's the most famous, famous of the current day. I mean, it was just so brutal. No one had ever seen anything like that on TV that was real. Imagine, was just... high, imagine high school, the musical, like, does a piss off you guys movie where they show that. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, and dancing, and then they show the guy getting shot in the head. <laughs> it's nuts. Well, yeah. Why else did this tank, this movie and record effort? Well, like we were saying, they didn't, they didn't really have an audience. You know, they uh, it should have gone to teeny boppers who like the monkey, you know, right. and it should have been for the adults who like to watch pop culture tumble, you know, collapsing new buildings. We like collapsing new buildings. We like the iceberg and high bopping. We like the things, things implode. Uh, but they never really marketed it as that. No, they didn't. Now, that's another reason why it didn't do well. Talk about the marketing. Well, again, it was like some young hippies shaved head, him blinking. And I think they had like, like, do you guys want head? Or like they had some kind of, you know, pun off the name. Yeah, there was double entendres for that. If there was going to be a sequel, it was going to be called From the Guys Who Gave You Head. I'm serious. <laughs> uh, and see, no. So this is like, again, this is a great pop culture movie because it's saying that these are just images on TV that you just click through and they're all equal. 
War and Reagan and monkeys are all on the same ground. It's, yeah, it's true to say, you know, our pop culture, we, uh, we well, right now we're seeing like uh, Gilda 1946, Golden Boy 39, Jam Session 44, Solomon going down a hill. Oh, yeah, and then these interviews are great, these fucking hippies. Isn't she gonna dance or something in this clip? Yep. She says, you guys in Hollywood are always looking for talent, and she starts going off. <clears throat> Is that a, a damn okay. thing in Hollywood? As to why this film bombed, you nailed it, Mike. Um, misleading ad campaign, poorly timed release date, because it was November of 68, and two months after the monkeys were canceled in 66. When this was being filmed, it, they weren't canceled. Um... I have to say, like, television in 1966 was bizarre. Like, Batman was so popular that ABC was airing it three times a week. And during yeah, the wow. summer, they made a theatrically released movie of Batman from 67. If you ever see it, they had a break, and they just made a theater movie. And then they continued cranking it out until people mm-hmm. got sick of it. And then they stopped. It's like, uh-huh. remember that was on, like, three times a week? Until people they got gave sick. you too much. Yeah. And the monkeys was the same way. It, it shocks me it's only been two seasons because there's a lot of episodes and a lot yeah. of different things happen, you know. Okay, uh, he's freaking out on the Coca-Cola thing. Yeah. Yeah, Coca-Cola did not like that. And they really? failed, but they tried to get an injunction against the film. They're making fun of their current jingle, which was on TV commercials. Okay, check this out. When the movie reappeared on cable and home video in 86, Columbia Pictures was off was owned by Coca-Cola, and apparently the issue was forgotten. That's right. They own Columbia Pictures. Every character in every movie would be drinking Coca-Cola and Minute It's just too much power. It's just, it's dumb that a soda company owns a movie. You know, it's just money. It's not right. even your crap. That's what the scene is about, you know? He has one opportunity to get a beverage, and it's a fucking Coca-Cola machine, but then he doesn't have money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Providing for human need. Okay, here's more that shows that you were 100% right. It was not a commercial success. This was in part because Head becoming the antithesis, the opposite of the monkey sitcom, comprehensively demolished the group's carefully groomed public image, while the older hippie counterculture audience they had been reaching for rejected the monkeys out of hand. So they alienated their teenage fan base. They failed to attract these adults. And that, I don't know, that's the nail in this coffin. And it really, it ruined the monkeys. It ruined their relationship with their producer. And I have a story about that. I'll tell you another time. But it also, I mean, this was it until they had their comeback. We're watching the monkeys' death in this film. Which is a real shame because, you know, obviously they're trying to kill their image in this film, but it's such a great premise to to fake something you build up. And uh, there is an audience for it. I I mean, obviously, I I watched it. Well, I mean, if they had done it right, if they had done it right, first of all, keep the monkeys on even in reruns as you release the film, something like that. Make the thing all about, um, you know, the commercial campaign, all about, you know, come see the last chance, you know. Their final film or whatever, however they want to, but make it a big deal about the monkeys, followed with a tour or something like that. They could have done this. Did the monkeys smoke pot? They 
they were like all over the place to the point of oversaturation in just two years, like Batman in 66 as well. Oh, and, so maybe they couldn't have done it. Yeah, by two years later, just constant bombast of like a, a Earthsat's Beatles, they were kind of finished, you know, like it was just, they yeah. got their money, they, 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 they took the marketplace on television and... Uh, oh, I have to interrupt before the scene goes away because I think I wanted to ask you a question. This is Vito Scotty. Didn't we see him in one of our other films? Like what? <laughs> I don't remember. I've been trying to rack my brain. Um, this is an homage to a classic film. It's called Vitalini, 1953, where they surrender, uh, their, their tank crew surrender. I never saw it. But yeah. I just know that Vito Scotti was in some film we did. Huh. All right. Well, we've, we've done about 300 movies, so. Yeah, so it's hard to remember. We certainly remember when we did Head. That's true. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing it again. Now, if you were a guy who was, you know, in his teens in the 1960s, you would be seeing this scene, or maybe 30s, and you would remember this movie. It would be very funny. They were doing That's something. true. Like, even the movie he did with his dad, if it was 58, that was... Yeah. This, one thing I have to, I love about this movie is that, look at the production value. Like, it's not just the sound. They, you full-on use movie studios to the point where they walk through the studios. So it has that like gorgeous like uh, yep. pop culture sensibility. Like you know, this is done by Bob Ralph Ralphson. Ra yeah, Raphaelson. Bob, he's a music producer apparently. He makes these very boring summer movies like King of the Marvin Marvin Gardens and uh, Five Easy Pieces, and he did. I with, saw um, King of Marvin Gardens on your recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yes, you did. You recommend? Well, no, maybe it was at the time in which you were like, you mentioned a movie, and I go, should I see it? And you went, yeah. yeah. Go see, go see and it. I had to complain to you, Michael. You're taking two my life two hours at a time. <laughs> Don't recommend shit to me. Oh, wouldn't I? Oh, wouldn't I? Right, the song. Yes. Uh, okay, let me just put it up. All right. Now they're trying to be the Beatles, George Harrison here. I don't know. So one thing about the soundtrack is that besides Bird Backrack, the, the band wrote both songs. I think this is a Mickey song. Yeah. It it's it's very of the times. If you hear that Indian influence, yeah, right. but then you hear Simon and Garfunkel kind of chorus. See here's Here's George Harrison. Ooh, it's missing. Specifically fantasizing. Uh, now here's Simon and Garfunkel. Here's the mamas and the papas. Can you dig it? It's Do so sexy. Would you like to let it show? You know, yep. if I could choose to be born and live in any day and age, I would oh, choose to be in my 20s in the 60s. Yes, I would. Such a Gen X regret. <laughs> just just to go. Just I was born Gen like 15 years too late. You would be, civil rights was a fucking mess. It was worse than it was. <laughs> you don't want to live through that shit. We have lived through this shit now. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> There's a right. going on. You've been drafted in your 20s. You don't want to fuck. Sick with the 80s. You grew up in the 80s. <laughs> there was no Listen, fucking... I have to tell 60s. you about this Bob Raffleson, right? Right. This whole movie 
was born out of him wanting to make Easy Rider. Yes. He met Dennis Hopper, Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson, and he wanted to produce their film. And he went to Columbia Pictures and he pitched Easy Rider. And they said, well, maybe. Maybe if you do this monkeys movie. Really? Yes. So wait a minute, Peter Fonda directed uh, Easy Rider, right? So Bob Rapson didn't get enticed to that. Well, it was a he was a producer. Uh, he wanted to produce their film. I might have said director. He was directing this film. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but he was the producer. And right. so, I don't know, Raffleson agreed. How do you see his name? Well, yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Uh, easy, it's funny because Jack Nicholson at the time he was a, like a contract actor. He was on television. He, he was in a bunch of like uh, the wild ones, like you know. Uh, and we saw the trip, the Roger Corman movie. Yeah, we sure did. And uh, he, no, it was it wasn't Roger Corman. It was a fucking Dick Clark production ripoff of a ripoff of uh, Corman. <laughs> Here's Terry Gar, by the way. Yeah, our Star oh, Trek yeah. connection. Boom. Now, this is a great scene, and Mickey's such a prick in it. Yeah. So they have the, the Western set. Right. And she's, like, you know, pouring her heart out to him, and he just doesn't care. Mickey really yeah. doesn't It's pretty terrible. He's like, this is all bullshit. That arrow, it's fake. <laughs> but, God, even her acting is cartoonish. The way he grimaces yep, he's, and out. Right, you'd crazy. expect to hear a popping sound. Oh, yeah, hey, where's Mickey and uh, Peter? They're at the Harlem set. But he gets really nasty at Terry. He's like, yeah, whatever, lady, shut up. <laughs> yeah, whatever, lady, shut up. Yeah, look, here we go. Now, he looks like Agorn on F Troop. He really does. I'm sure they used the set of a the, the Indian extras. One of the sets that they do on this was Rosemary's Baby, 1968. Oh, really? Yeah, they'll be on Rosemary's Baby's on the set of it. That's my favorite part of the movie. Your favorite what movie? Satan movie? No, I, I, I could tell us about Rosemary's Baby. This scene where he just walks through the set. Oh, 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 oh. And then, uh, so we have another movie set, and this is kind of funny. It's like a premise of a boxer. You know, in his hometown. He's playing violin right now, right? Yeah, um, let me put it up. Sonny Liston will be the boxer we see in this. Yeah, he gets, uh, Mickey gets to pick the boxer for the boxing scene. And he picks right. Sonny Liston, who's just standing there. Just right. Him. Yeah, he, he, he passes by all these people he can beat. And he goes, oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy, right, who happens to be Sonny Liston. See, artifice and reality just kind of splits. They live in a world. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of the premise that they can't escape this. They're trapped in a box in water by Victor Mature. Oh, this guy, man. He's in everything. Yeah. Look at Davey's little outfit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Davy Jones. So they showed up in the, in the Brady Bunch movie. Do you remember that scene? Yes. And and uh, I didn't remember that it was the movie and not the show. Uh, Davy Jones appears and he sings and 
Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he shows up in the TV show. You're absolutely right. He's, oh, okay, they, okay. He, they went and date with David Jones, and he shows up to the house ball. But so in the the pretty much movie from the nineties, you know, they kind of call name check it. They're doing a, a talent competition, and the Brady sing this awful seventies tune. Yeah, and the judges, who happen to be the members of the Monkees, love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me tell you a little story about this. I already told you how uh, Bob Raffleson got put up to do this thing, right? Right. So he went with Jack Nicholson and the Monkees to. It's Ojai, California. I don't know, O-J-A-I. Ojai, California Resort, where they smoked a lot of pot and just talked into a tape recorder. Then Jack Nicholson took those tapes and used them as the basis for the screenplay. And then, according to Raffleson, Raffleson says this, when he structured the film, uh, he was doing acid. (laughs) They're like, oh, the monkeys. Monkeys are terrible. They're here. I, I just in the past. They like got together and hung out, smoked pot, spoken to a. But then the lion's share of the work was uh, Jack Nicholson. So the monkeys are not credited. Okay, when the band learned that they would not be allowed to direct themselves or receive screenwriting credits, Dolans, Jones, and Nesbeth made a one-day walkout, and they didn't. They they did not appear for the set for the whole day. Only Tork Wait, so which one's the scab then? Peter Tork. Yeah. But okay, they won because they got more money. They got a large percentage of sh- of share of the film for the group. But it wrecked up their relationship with uh, Raffleson, who had been their producer. He right. is another reason why they died. He would not produce anything anymore. He walked away from them. Now, they, uh, this, by the way, is a great scene. They're all assholes. He's, he, uh, Peter kind of sees through the bullshit, right? He's looking at his we'll ice cream cone melting. They are. They, but, the, but, the, but the waitress is the real asshole. No, they're, they're, they're the ones picking on the waitress. Now, we should see Jack Nicholson and Dennis Hopper in this film. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot when he shows up. This is funny. Listen to Davey. Because they're doing like what he he's he's trying to flirt with her, and then it, it just gets into a nasty repartoire. Yeah. Repartoy. But she uh she this is. <laughs> there he's getting beat up by the waitress. That's Sonny Liston, and look how fake the boxing is. It's hilarious. If, look, watch how he doesn't hit him. He goes, touch, touch, touch. <laughs> you know, and Davy Jones gets knocked out. Are you there, Mike? Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, I have been left alone. That's fine. That's fine. I'm all you need. That's not true. We need Spiegelman. So this is Sonny Liston beating up Davy Jones, and it's funny because Back. it's fake. There you are. Yeah, I was just I talking know. about how, like, Sonny Liston's really just tapping him on the chin, you know, but to him, he's all hurt. Stay That's... down, says Mickey. Stay down. So this is the one where, like, Mickey gets on the, on the, in the ring and admits that he's an asshole and it's all his fault. <laughs> it's just great. And again, like, you know, these scenes are what makes a movie. It's like, 
we want to see the monkeys TV show where they dress up in silly costumes. There's a Net Funicello. There's a cameo for a Net Funicello. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. The flashback. Oh, there's a net right there. Right. This is him, but it's the movie side of it, not the filming of the movie side of it. Right. Now he's in an Annette Funicello film. Of course, she was always the supporting actress, but. Well, no, I mean, uh, Frankie, we did a Frankie Avalon movie without Annette Funicello, and it was black. Yeah, she I think was she showed up in the cameo. It was a ski movie. Right. She was the professor. Uh, are you talking about Ski Party? Yeah, Ski Party. Right. So what we're seeing right now, if you were a person who was alive in the 60s, you would think this is so funny because they're doing a parody of like Annette Funicello movies. It's the formula. You know, they're playing the music as he's struggling. <laughs> oh, yeah, see? Artifice. Jack Nicholson loved this film, and he had an unwavering enthusiasm. He did this campaign in which he put stickers all over. He saw it like 158 million times. I loved it, man. That's what he says. Let's let's get back quickly to uh, yeah. I like this guy. He's great. It's fucking silly. Listen, yeah. I, I should again like Jack Nicholson. Like he, in the 60s, he seemed like. He put a lot more effort than he did for the preceding, the following decades. Like he was not just yeah. an actor; he was a writer and he was a director. And and he was he would want to make a film. He would get try to get a film made, you know. And he was all over Hollywood. Now, look, it, later in his life, to be fair to him, and I don't know if we want to be fair to him, but he had become a star, and it was no longer his movies. He was being cast in things, and he right. seemed to be cast in the exact right movie, like The Shining or something. He was getting huge monster parts. You ever notice there's some actors, actors like that, like John Travolta was only ever in big films, except for that one in the 80s. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, he didn't need to hustle anymore, and he was older, so he didn't. But there's like people like Tommy Lee Jones where I need a Tommy Lee Jones. Give me Tommy Lee Jones. Mm -hmm. So he's not, he's just there because he's Tommy Lee Jones. But, you know, Nicholson directed uh, the sequel to Chinatown called The Two Jays. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think he directed another movie. But so he kept, you know, his creative forces going beyond acting. No, and you're still talking about a time before he was a mega no i don't know maybe you're right no, no the two jakes who was a mega star that was a yeah movie. you're right i guess he was returning to look oh, going he's... south going south was another movie nicholson directed in the 70s remind uh, me uh it had a uh, john belushi and it was uh i think so long oh yeah uh, he got um he was he was an outlaw who was going to get hung and he got saved by this woman so that he, he could work in the silver mine. Right. I remember that film. Belushi was in it. Yeah, he was funny. It was funny, right? He directed that. So he did do some creative stuff, but I, it always seems like the 60s is where he was like a filmmaker. Okay. You, know? you just saw the punch, right? Look for Nicholson. Right. Look for Nicholson. There's Nicholson right there. No, that's Bob, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look for Nick. That's Bob Ralphson right now. Uh, in the blue? Nicholson and Hopper are there. There he is. There he is. There he is. Yeah, there he is. Look how young. And look for. Look. I for guess the autograph. Hopper. I mean, um, 
Dennis Hopper, who we saw in King of the Mountain. Oh, King of the Mountain, yeah. There he is. There he is. Yeah, there he is. He really looks like the rider. I'm Captain, I'm Billy, and that's Captain America, man. Now, this is where he punches the woman, and people reject him because of it. Well, they didn't like him to begin with. Remember, they walked into the commissary, and everyone left going, oh, the monkeys are coming. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> now, I think this was unfair, you know, that he hit a woman, and then everyone rejects him. Don't you agree, Mike? I mean, we should be allowed. Oh, uh, yeah. It's only fair. Yeah, it's only fair. Wait, what? <laughs> now, look at this. Now we're going to edit that out. Snip out the what? Mike agreed with me. <clears throat> yeah, there they go. Goodbye. Reject. Goodbye. The camera literally goes to the wall. Yeah, like, like Peter had, like, some soul in this thing. This is okay. a good movie, man. I, I don't know why everyone, you know... Yes, I do know why. It was it was a million reasons why this didn't work. But if you just look at the work as just the movie, it's a great movie. Well, all right, let's take this scene for example. It's a cute okay. scene. He walks through a bunch of the studio sets of different seasons. But, like, you know, if you paid money and you're sitting in the theater, you'd be like... They, yeah, you know? they, this is production value. I mean, it's a grand, open, wide space. It's clearly no set or a painting. There's no... There's no plot. Like, if I pay money and I'm sitting in the theater, at this point, I go, oh, I got fucking ripped. You know, like... Well, it's just supposed to be visually stunning, but you might have that feeling, yes. The yeah. same thing happens. They're in the desert. They're in the Bahamas. They're, um... Uh, most all of it is shot in California. Oh, this is the Kermit the Frog song. Oh, why are there so many songs <laughs> about rainbows? Wait, is this the dad song? Davy Jones does this lovely song about a very sad thing. But he's on the stage. It isn't that song. This sounds like uh, Mickey singing. Oh, wait, we were just in the winter. Right, exactly. They're hopping all over the place here. And this isn't, like, plot-driven, this section. Actually, nothing is plot-driven, right? Yeah. Do you mind manning the phone for one second? The sound? You want it up? No, no, I, I, I have to step out for a second. Oh, just do the show? Okay. Yeah. So I will talk about some interesting things about this film just for the hell of it as we watch here. I talked about the day walkout. Okay, the strike ended after the first day when to mollify the monkeys, the studio agreed to larger percentage share of the film's net for the group. But the incident damaged the monkeys' relationship with Ralston and Bert Schneider, and they would effectively it would effectively end their professional career together. And they would play like other bands. I'm not reading this. They would oh here it is. The they would play albums on the set by other groups like Electric Flag, and they would scream out, That's real rock and roll, like insulting the monkeys. So the tension was not throughout the film. It was just right around the day of the walkout and the week that followed or two weeks that followed. Eventually, everything was cool. It took them two months to film this thing. Uh, let's see. Three months. It was February 15 to May 17 in 1968. So just according to the Internet stuff, they were friendly again, but they would never really work together again. Um, 
thing. It's the, it isn't, yeah, it is. It's a sad closure to the monkey's career, this, uh, the, the things around this film. This film itself is fine, and I like how they're stepping away from their sitcom-y, bubblegum-y uh, TV show and trying to be part of the counterculture, which they really were in real life. Um, so I think it was a bold effort, and if it had been done right and promoted right, etc., I think it had a chance. The guy who did the music, now they're going against commercialism here, as you can see. Hi, Carl. Hi. You were seeing them go against commercialism. Um, the Beatles, like, uh, day of life, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Beatles, uh, the film's incidental music was composed and conducted by Ken Thorne, who's done other films of ours, but who, who also did the incidental music in The Help by the Beatles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, this film has a lot of help aspects. Like, it, it really tries to be, like, Hard Day's Night, like, the TV show. Yeah. This is Things Are Weird. Lip, lip, warp, warp, lip. Now, this is a place called the Hyperion Sewage Treatment Plant in Playa del Rey, California. Playa del Rey. Playa. Playa del Rey. The but we don't fly that. Playa del Rey. Playa de Ra, damn it! Look, homie, don't playa. Listen, yeah. I know you're from New Jersey, but in California, we pronounce it playa de pla. <laughs> <laughs> I love this Playa this del Rey is how we say it here in Jersey. I love that guy's little guilty look while he drinks that liquid. Bonk. Bonk. See, the yeah, joke sounds... here is all these things happen and nobody's noticing, like. But Davey's noticing that nobody's noticing, but nobody's listening to Davey. Like, right. Peter keeps saying, come on, Davey, and pulling him by the arm. I also love their outfits. Like, we don't even blink, but of course the monkeys would have matching white boom. Yeah, for a tour on a day off in a factory. Yeah. <laughs> so now they've been locked into a vacuum cleaner. I think that's just the scene. I'm not that's, sure. This is not only a vacuum cleaner, it's... It, it's going to be in the advertisement with Victor Mature. Oh, okay. <coughs> An advertisement for him? No, well, he's in the ad. Like, they're in his hair. Yeah, and they got to pick out lice or something like that? No, I don't, that's I don't right, know. That's right, that's right. They're in his hair. This isn't the vacuum cleaner scene. But I think I think he uses, like, a flow nase to, to pull them out of his hair. I <laughs> I think that it's pretty good hair, you know, the, the people who made it. Yeah. Well, they're like, we're so excited. The movie's called Head, and we get to make the hair. We're going to be in the, probably in the poster. Oh, congratulations. They assigned you the hair. We got the nose. <laughs> we're not too happy about it, but we'll do it. It's a paycheck. Okay, there he is. Yeah. See? Flonase. Now they're in the vacuum. I get it. Hey, I worked on, during the 60s, I worked on hair. Oh, really? What a great musical. Uh, no, no, uh, no. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was in the movie Shampoo. <laughs> oh, I love Shampoo. Warren Beatty? This yeah. Movie? No. Another hippies film. Listen, I got to go back in time and okay. live in the 60s, you know, for about a year. 
No, Carl, don't fall for that. People in the 80s were like, oh, I wish I was born 20 years younger. Yeah. No, Duran Duran was during the 80s. Love it. Well, so, I've been around for it. <laughs> civil unrest, a nasty war, a draft, uh, awful <laughs> but, television. But the, but the 50s got destroyed and demolished. All the wearing a hat everywhere and a tie and... <laughs> Everyone has uniforms, and you call your boss Mr. So-and-so. All that shit died. Everything changed. Everyone's got blue jeans on. It, I mean, it destroyed the World War II, uh, the 1950s nuclear family, the America's number one. Sure, I, I get it. And Easy Rider was a factor of it back in the late eight, uh, 60s. But it's just uh, there was plenty of shit in the 80s. You know, or there was. Plenty, there was. You're your own generation. Okay, Sorry. so I should be happy with uh, what I got, which is yeah. uh, Devo and the B-52s and uh, retro 50s looks and Cindy Lauper. And... Let's put it this way. Back then, you had the 60s, but it was a very sanitized version because it was distra- it was detached from yeah. the, the civil unrest and the, right. the war that was going on. So you can laugh and, and watch this hippie shit, but you don't know, you know, but if you lived in the 60s, you would have seen, like, um, uh, the Martin Luther King, you know, unsettled civil rights move. I mean, there would have been, yeah, and the war is going on. I mean, it was. Uh, Listen, you would probably wouldn't be alive to, to experience a pandemic if you were born 20 years young. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I would have missed out. I mean, he, he, ah, now here's the song. That's like nice in sound, but horrible in lyrics. It's a very, uh, like a dance hall, British dance hall song. Right. Like but this is his moment to shine in this, this song. See how his, um, his tuxedo keeps changing color? Which means to me he had to dance this number like several times. Yeah. So they have a white background or a black background, a white suit or a black suit. There wasn't any kind of like uh, warnings for like uh, if you're sensitive to like flashing imagery because they, they do like quick cuts really fast between him and, and Costa. There yeah, it is. There's what you're talking about. Yeah. That's yeah, just that's that's seizure. seizure. Hmm. Oh, I got to tell you, uh, there's a seizure moment in a movie that I loved and I didn't realize. Uh huh. Yellow Submarine, during one of the numbers, they kind of like do this flashy black and white thing. Uh-huh. Like squiggles and stuff, and uh, my kid was like, I can't watch this. Now, here's, yeah, because it's, here's uh, Tony Basil. Oh, Mickey. Yeah, now look, there's a rumor that it's Mickey Dolenz is who that's, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. Uh, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too, but it's a rumor. That song is so crass and, like, calculated. I mean, it's a wonderful song, but you're right yeah. the first time that was a bubblegum pop crafted yep and now the days have gone and the song slows down a cappella it reminds me of like when you watch Jerry Lewis in the sixties and him and Sam here singing like, <laughs> yeah. really maudlin song that's just terrible and you never heard it before and you'll never Yeah, it. and you'll never hear it was filler. Yeah. But he's acting, Davy. 
this is his, you know, his moment in the movie. This is his moment in the movie. I don't think he has a chance to sing a number like this. No, this is his highlight. It is. Now, Nicholson hung out with the Monkees for several weeks, even going on tour with them. Once this movie was made, Raffleson abandoned the Monkees, as, as told by Peter Tork, and went off to bigger projects, starting with Easy Rider. Right. Yeah, he became a real, like, legitimate film director. He really did. Huh? Oh, monkeys are the craziest people. Yeah, now, apparently that was a commercial from, like, 1939 on the radio. This is Frank Zappa. Yeah, it doesn't leave much time for your music. You should spend more time on it because the youth of America depends on you to show the way. Yeah? Yeah. Monkeys is the craziest people. <laughs> so if you you'd have to be pretty old to remember it but if you lived then you would have got that joke well and can we just take a moment to say what a prick zappa is to say what what a prick zappa is oh is he for for putting that head trip on davy he kind of he, he kind of gives a backhanded compliment to davy he's like yeah that's great but it doesn't give you time for your music yeah right you're fucking up They're back I think in the studio. character played it well. Yeah. I always thought, like, didn't there, wasn't there a cow in the TV show that talked? I don't know. I've seen every episode. I don't remember. I don't know if it was their landlord or, like, it was, like, an old relative that he showed up with a cow with a cowbell. I mean, I might be getting it mixed up in the movie. Okay, here's Rolling Stone Magazine, March of 2012, okay? So we're talking pretty current. Making Head was a mistake, was it? Nesmith responded by saying, by the time Head came out, the monkeys were a pariah, okay? So they were losing popularity. There's no confusion about this. We were on the cost line of approbation from acceptance to rejection. It was over. Okay, so first of all, he's saying we were dead anyway. Head was right. the swan song. We wrote it with Jack and Bob. They locked, liked it. It was authentic representation of a phenomenon we were part of that was winding down. Uh, that's, right. And that's after two years. Right. That was really quick. There were some people in power and not a few critics who thought there was another decision that could have been made, you know, instead of this movie. But I believe the movie was an inevitability and there was no other movie to be made that would not have been ghastly under the circumstances. I think this movie holds up, but under the right. circumstances of the time. Nesmith called the film The Murder of the Monkeys and an intentional move by Snyder and Ralphson who had their eyes on bigger goals, and the monkey project was holding them back. He, they wanted to do Easy Rider. That's what they wanted to do. But first they wanted to pour salt on the uh, monkey's garden. I guess. This, this scene kind of trips me out, right? The, well, this uh, is where we're going to see the cop in the mirror, and then... Yeah. Now, they happen to be a mirror with a medicine cabinet inside. Whoa, that's right. Oh. I forgot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does a weird thing. It's like he walks slowly away. Oh, no, right. Now, this thing I'm going to mention... Uh, He's whistling Strawberry Fields by the Beatles, by the way. <laughs> so what's going on? We had Zappa and the Beatles. Yeah. Open the mirror. You'll see a big eyeball. No, oh. it's not there. 
nobody gives money to a man with a sense of humor. Right. Which is such a stupid phrase. I guess they're trying to say, like, because they were clowns and no one took them seriously. In 2001, Davy Jones said that the monkey should have never made the movie at the time. I don't know if he's right. I'm glad they did. Well, it gives, like, fans like us uh, three episodes worth of material, right? I mean, it's a 90-minute movie. Nobody lends money to a man with a sense of humor. That real deep. He just uh, piss outside my window. <laughs> the puddle of pee. I mean, this is basically three episodes of The Monkeys without the fucking laugh track. Well, it's not really the monk, the spirit of the monkey show at all. So we're getting better than three episodes. You know what I mean? We're getting a different take, and it's tricky and psychedelic. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, when the show was wrapping up, Mickey Dolan started for the last episode where the CBSI was brainwashing people, and they were definitely <laughs> going through a, a direction. You know, and it, yeah. that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. To, that episode, I feel it in this movie. Like, that's the, the that was the inevitable next step. But, yeah, I mean, like, the, the, the TV show had this horrible soundtrack, uh, laugh track, and then halfway during the middle of episodes, they would just be chased by women. I wish that, I wish that they had done a tribute, like a five-minute segment, which was a tribute to their TV show, in which they, like, walked into some bubblegum set of their house, right. and, you know, we would hear the laugh track, and they would do some cliches from their show, but I guess they were they're doing a departure here. Check this out, Mike. A poor audience response at the August 68 screening in Los Angeles eventually forced the producers to edit the film from the original 110 minute length to the 82nd, 86th minute minute head that premiered in New York City on November 6, 1968. So they're saying here. I mean, the producers, that means Ralston took it from 110 minutes to 86 minutes. Right. It, so was it really because of a bad response or they, were they kind of sabotaging? I don't know if they were sabotaging more than they were trying to uh, just tighten out a lot of crap. Yeah. Oh, I, I like this. So, so I like how uh, Nesbitt turns around and says, Yeah. This what? You know, it's funny. I, I was just watching Hudson Hawk, and Hudson Hawk tends to do things like David Jones. You know, the wall around, and they're not chained up anymore, and uh -huh. that's fine. You know, and, and Hudson Hawk has that logic too, where if he falls through an awning, the sidewalk, he lands on a couch. <laughs> you know, there's no. It's just the logic of the film. Interesting film, Hudson Hawk. Yeah, I know oh, that yeah. was so good, but. You remember how they would sing the song so they knew the timing? Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Danny Aiello. Yeah. Would you rather carry moonbeams up in a jar? Nothing. Nothing. This sound. This cop gets a lot of time. Yeah, and he's I should have had him in my uh credit in my research because he's a character actor. You've seen him in many, many things. What, what for me, an inter interesting choice this movie does is that we go inside his dream. Yeah, look at him uh, being nice. in love with himself on the, in the mirror. Yeah, well, all cops are dancers, I guess. Well, at first he was, like, looking all tough, and then he started to dance, which is right. not exactly no eye. No uh, iodine bottle. Okay, probably here will be... Um, Victor 
mature. Yeah, there he is. And he's dressed in the same costume as that 58 movie he was in Mickey with Mickey's father. Interesting. All right, Victor, mature. Yeah, there we go. The cops yeah. goes right wow. into his head. What a weird moment. Now, this is the only time we see the house, right? Their apartment? Is it the apartment from the TV show? No. No. Just in but general. I, I'm not sure if it's the only time. But it's not the sitcom house? I, I, is it? You would have to tell me because I did see every monkey's episode, but what year are we talking about? Uh, yeah. if, if it is, they should do a laugh track. They really should. You know, have you, seen, have you ever seen Help, the, the Beatles movie? Yeah, of course. So the, you could tell where the monkeys ripped off their apartment from. Right, because they lived in that really colorful apartment that had the sunken-in floors where they would sleep. And right, they really these, these British ticky-tack houses, and they all four of them walk into the, into the houses, and it's just one big space. Right, separate doors. This can't be their TV. I can't. I better not no, say. No, no. This is the haunted part. Plus, this is the cop stream, so he. It's a different interpretation. Stop. Yeah, and if you lived back then, you would get that joke because telegraphs they were dying, but you'd still get one, and they would do that stop instead of a period. And then you would do a joke where you send a telegraph that says, "Ignore previous telegraph." I do that on Twitter all the time. I don't get any likes. No, because people can't relate. They don't know what you're talking about. I can say ignore previous tweet. Listen, why don't you do a few tweets with multiple sentences and you can say stop in between stop. if anybody gets it. I don't want it. Don't. Stop. So Victor Mature read this script and did not understand it. None of it made sense to him, but it made him laugh. Now, we're going to see him very big over, like, a Western town, and it's supposed to be like a joke about RCA Victor instead of Victor Mature, who, you know, oh, they were this big company that distributed the Monkees records. Now, again, this is a great come-down movie. I, uh, in my youth, I, when I was on acid, I would watch this movie. Just <laughs> I did. Seems like this. Just kind of very, very honest thing to say. Oh my god, that was decades ago. You know, that, that chapter is long gone, so <laughs> happy to reread re it. But you know, it's funny too, because at the time, you know, if you take acid, you're not supposed to watch TV or play video games. You're supposed to talk to people all night. Right, so, you're supposed to use it to, even though those would be great experiences, they're also common experiences, and you're supposed to take advantage right. and use your brain. But let me tell you, there's nothing better than watching Head. After like eight hours of being on acid, just, just I'll take the word for that. You know, I would never touch the stuff. I tried acid one time, burnt a hole right through my tongue. That yeah. can't be healthy. And it ruined your car, right? Because you right. have to get battery out. It ate through. Yeah, was some strong acid. Yeah, was they said I. I was. They said they that they gave me acid that was way too strong. It was actually acidic. Was it brown? Did you eat the brown acid? <laughs> yeah. Not the brown acid. Oh, it's the TVA. It's a pandemic. 
can you dig it? So this is an interesting scene because he gets bombarded by people worshiping him and like wanting him to party. Yeah. He doesn't want to party. He doesn't want to have a good time. That's right. He whispers something to him, which is, you know, his mom famously uh, invented liquid paper. Michael Nevis' mom. Mm -hmm. And he became, you know, very rich. And in this movie, the scene, he gets bombarded by people and then someone whispers to him, like, what's it like being rich? And he just freaks out on him. <laughs> you know, I missed it's, it's, that. I did not know about liquid paper. Yeah, it's interesting because there's some parts of their lives are, are thrown up in this movie, and I, I think that's the part where, you know. Very good. Everyone's having a good time in the place, and he doesn't Unlike, want to be part of it. He didn't ask yeah. for it. Right, he didn't ask for it. Yeah. Uh, this film is part of the Criterion Collection. Is it really? Yeah, now it appears almost 600th. All right, spy number, spine number 544, as if they're books on a shelf. So, because, again, like, I do remember when this was re-released by Rhino in the 90s, so it must have some good extra special features. Yeah, that's probably gr true. Uh, well, I mean, video sometimes didn't do special features like DVD. No, but Criterion does. Criterion DVD. Yeah, right. No, the video. Do. I think there was a special at the end of it. There was like a... a, a I'll look into that because if there's interesting DVD Criterion collection ones, maybe we should... Uh, Maybe I, I might, I'll look for it, you know? I'm not going to... Look how counterculture this is now. I know, but it's They're not. They're hitting us over the head with it. You, 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 what was this music? Like, it kind of cascades. It's like, this is what you think counterculture is? We'll do it. That yeah, might be Michael's song. Frank Zappa was also in the TV show. Yes. Yeah, I get that. That's probably why I get that mixed up with the cow because I had seen. Oh, that I see. But I just connotated him with the cow. Now they're taking old Hollywood images. No, for some, yeah, that, those were the Rockettes. They, they're doing that throughout the film. Now, okay, on behind the music, the monkeys. It was in the year two thousand. Mickey Dolan's claimed that one of the reasons had performed poorly at the box office because it was rated R. But but I don't get that because remember it was rated G. Yeah. Original. I don't know, but that's what he said. Whatever. I mean, wasn't Midnight Cowboy uh, an X-rated movie around this time? Midnight Cowboy was an X-rated movie because of the drug use and they are and because of the not prostitution, but it's sort of prostitute. Right. So they lobbied hard to get it reduced to an R and it I don't know the whole story but it took years like the culture changed right and the you know they had given R ratings to other ones that were similar so they had to renege this this is yeah, so Netflix is like laying it down he just doesn't want this shit yeah he doesn't like people popping out of nowhere he didn't need an invitation guys I needed to have where I was sleeping <laughs> All right, so then the hangman shows up, right? And he starts clapping at him like, good job, my problem. Proud of you. Okay, so this is where the film kind of goes. 110 extras, by the way, in this scene. How many wearing bikinis? That's like 70 bikinis right there. <laughs> well, there's a... Yeah, what a great set. So, yeah, at this point, this movie becomes the chase. 
right? They're, it's just they're going to set it up and they're just going to get chased by everybody. Well, I don't know. They con they conflict with this. They have a conflict with this guy. I mean, it's it's verbal. Let's see. I don't know if there's a chase. I think the idea is that like they do all these vignettes and then finally it, it the vignettes catch up with them. Like That's they certainly the TV. Like you said, in the TV show, they would make some action. They would take some action, and then people would be out to get him. Yeah. But, like, they had a scene with him, and then he shows up later saying, we're not done. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, you, you think this little sketch is over, but I'm mm -hmm. still here. Look at him backing up and cowering, cowering. Right, while the psychedelic lights play behind him. They're shooting hullabaloo behind them. <laughs> now, Sean Lennon loves this film. Um, and he he says, Head is like my Bible. Any project or important thought I've ever had was inspired by Head. Now, look, that was something he must have said at one for us. That can't be true. You know what oh, I mean? Uh, he must have just been sprouting out crap. But he loves uh, this film. The Man on the Street. Yeah, much better than anything uh, Tom Lennon is. Oh, you know, last train to Clarksville. That really sounds a lot like the song "Help." I don't know if John Lennon heard "Last Train to Clarksville" before he wrote "Help," but it's suspicious. So the Beatles ripped off the Monkees, is what you're saying? Oh, and, and they ripped off the Beach Boys' pet sound, right? Uh, I don't know about the Beach Boys. I just know that. The monkeys came out, and the, then the next thing you know, the Beatles were like, oh, we're in the British version. And uh, it was such a clear ripoff. But I don't know. History doesn't agree with me. I wonder, has there been like a recent thing like the monkeys where uh, there was like a big pop thing, and then there's a ripoff that becomes just as popular? Well, they did. Um, I'm a believer on Shrek. That's not exactly what you're talking about. Uh, no, I mean, like, if there was. Menudo, and it was popular, and then there was a ripoff of Menudo. Oh, right, right. I don't think the monkeys... Wasn't the new monkeys an attempt to do that? Yeah, so it was... And again, like I'll tell you my experience. So, yeah. you know, MTV during, was big, and they would say, you know what was MTV beforehand? The monkeys. And the monkeys started showing up on MTV. They would do the... Yeah. And suddenly the monkeys came, like, was reintroduced, and there was talk about doing the new monkeys. And part of the promotion was that if they had open auditions in New York and Los Angeles and being a 16-year-old New Jersey. Yeah. And you Europe, had a great look, Mike. You were thin and gawky. You think you really yeah. would have been great on it. So I, I went to New York. I, I took the bus over and I waited in line for the audition. And about four hours into it, I get there and there was like harmonicas and all this shit. And they said, do you have any musical this and that? I said, nope. I just love the monkeys, and I wanted to be in the mind. They said, great. There's the door. And I go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. And then they said that they, they hired everyone in Los Angeles anyway. So uh, so nobody in New York even. No. It was just a publicity stunt that I was part of. You know. Look at this guru motherfucker. You know, I have expected to see a toilet flush in this. Secondarily right. speaking, with, with the mind. Yeah, you know, Meet Bean Manifesto samples this movie a lot. They sampled the speech. Great band. Uh, yeah, great band. That, that, yep, yep, that, music, that, I believe. That man on the street bit where they're like, uh, and I'll whip him. He sampled that. Yeah. 
I think the joke here is he's in a steam room, so you would wear a robe, but guru air robes. And it's basically the bathroom scene. Look how he's up higher than his disciple Peter. Man, I've ne- I've been in plenty of steam rooms. I've never seen like uh oh, yeah, there's a joke. You know, one thing about movies is steam rooms, you can't talk in a steam room, right? Your lungs are like pinned to your chest. You know, I've often thought about that, but sometimes when they're doing a movie scene in a steam room, there's really steam. I've often thought about that though. It is difficult to there's a sensation when you speak in a steam room. Right. So if you're making out in a steam room, like if, you know, if you're watching a Cinemax uh, movie where they're making, that's you know, God bless you, but geez. And then when they talk like Blues Brothers, they have the whole band in the steam room. Right. And they're making deals. It's like I can't look at how they're ignoring him. This was supposed to be the three monkeys, like uh, hear no evil, see no evil. Whoa! I know it's angle. What tacky shot! What a tacky, terrific shot! Oh my God! More, more! It's terrific. It's um, it's uh, it's cowgirl position. <laughs> Look at I bring the genie there. Yeah, no, that's pretty sharp. And she's not jumping off the building, so we can move it. Wait, she jumped the V If he, she jumped off the building, those parachute, her pants would balloon like a parachute. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's drinking a V eight, but bingo. He was. He was drinking from 1968. Wow. Man, nothing like a cool V8 on a hot movie lot. Yeah, really. Tomato juice. Great. Great. Oh, um, it, oh did she jump and get caught? caught. By, we missed it. Yeah, look at how she's acting. She's just kind of like dull-like. Ah, youth, you could carry a woman like that. Are you kidding me? I could not do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just dragging a sack of potatoes around. Now, disappear. Something showed up in front of them. Now, remember, they were in the factory. This led them into, remember, they got closed in that earlier. They're back to yeah. where they were. But So, Davey was the one questioning it, but now Peter is. Yeah, exactly. And you reminded me that the vacuum cleaner's not yet. It was the hair. Let's see where they go this time. You know, one of the things that I read on the internet, but I can't find it, uh, it says there, this is one of, consider one to be the best, monkey's best recorded works, including contributions by Carol King and Harry Nielsen. So I guess they were on the soundtrack. I think Porpoise song, Carol King uh, co wrote it or something. Uh huh. Yeah, the soundtrack is terrific because they they wrote their own songs. They had some hired help, help, and there was no like anxious. You know, all their songs are very anxious. You know, yeah. Last train to Clarksville. You got to you know, yeah. My auntie Griselda. It's all kind of like I must go. I must. I won't see you again. Yeah, it's all stressy. Yeah, it's it's manic. You know, she's having a fit. She doesn't (laughs) like me a bit. Auntie Griselda. But this this movie is like, yeah, let's walk around the four seasons. Let's chill out to the harem. Yeah, but Dolphin is super laid back. and Peter looks like he's saying something deep. And it is true. Like, when the movie samples it, you're like, wow, this is pretty deep. I wonder where the sample came from. You're like, the fucking Mm -hmm. movie. 
this film is good. Come on, world. For fear a monkey's movie would keep serious movie critics and moviegoers away, the producers decided a promotional campaign that emphasized the film had nothing to do with the monkeys. Isn't that a stupid choice? There's some movies that do that, you know, it's because you just need the idea. Well, there was this one great promotional campaign. It was a Woody Allen movie about them doing a bank heist. Take the money and run. Shot in San Francisco. Not take the money and run. This was the one which was really about, um, they got the, the uh, Tracy, Trace, uh, Tracy, Flynn. I know what you're talking about. It wasn't Manhattan Murder Mystery. It wasn't, uh, who's that very funny lady who had an HBO show that brought, brought that Tracy, gave birth to the scene? Simpson. Yeah, Ullman. Ullman. yeah. Yeah. She was a, a safe cracker. She had had a cookie recipe. Well, the the from the promotion made you think the movie was a heist movie but when you got into the movie that heist stuff was done in act one it was really well done promotion and then you're just stuck with another 2000 ish uh right. yeah he tricked you <laughs> i you know i never uh, i actually stopped watching his movies in the 90s and uh i feel like i should just catch up watch it but when i do i realize like a lot of them are shitty Okay, the Woody Allen movies? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Look, he's fighting his way out. I love it. This is like Man from Uncle. Because Davy Jones makes the greatest facial seek. He go he strains when he hits, and he's not really hitting. No, but I mean, <laughs> we, we just saw him dance. We just saw him in the ring. You know the guy is great. Like, yeah. Look at his face. He grits his teeth every there he does it. Yeah, every he's doing high kicks. Look, he's leaping. Pow! Yeah, this is pretty cool. It's an action movie. Pow! <laughs> he jumps that out. is great, man. This movie's great! Yeah. But again, so here's the part where they're going to be chasing. We're just done. We're done with the movie. The rest is just them walking, literally walking through the sets. Look how cool that is. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was scripted a speaking part for that horse, but... Due to, well, it was conditional. The day of shooting, and they only had the horse for one day. Unfortunately, that he was a little sick, and and he was horse. He was a little horse. Yeah, and he couldn't. At the now, day, remember of the this shoot. guy from before. No, we should mention that that joke. He always has to be during the day of the shooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't get away with that one. You can't say his little horse for the month of September. He has to be. They pull out a cannon out of nowhere. Like they're done. They're done. They're in complete control of this universe. Now, here's RCA Victor, apparently. This is great. God bless him for doing this movie. Look how great, happy he is. Like, he's just, he's dressed in the worst clothing. I missed him because, you know, the internet, just like you said, he's a big star. He is a big star. Victor. Well, it was before your time. It was a little Victor immature for you. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is great. Like, they actually shot this. This is all practical. Yep. They, they got a helicopter and they made a big box and they yep. went over the desert. Now, the box, this box that you're seeing, and it's in several scenes, it's inspired by this lounge area that was built for the monkeys during the filming of their television show. I'm reading now. Between yep. takes, they grew bored and wandered around the studio, often getting lost. 
So Screen Gems Brass added a special room to, next to the sound stage. That was the box. They would spend time in there studying scripts, composing, playing music, smoking, which was forbidden on the set. Colored lights were added to Page as a pager for whoever was needed on the set. So, so these are all the characters in the movie. Yeah. There's the here again. We should mention one quick thing about Screen Gems. Uh, uh, a friend of mine is a film director named Rodney Asher, who just did Blitz mm-hmm. um, in the Matrix. And he did a short called The Logo from Hell, which is about the Screen Gems logo at the end of their shows. That, yeah. And how jarring and how uh, scarring it was for people. Like, people really got upset by it and would haunt them. Wow. That's creepy. You, and it's on YouTube, so I would check it out for sure. The logo from hell, Run the Asher. But you, you remember that screen? Let me write logo, down. Right? The, the, yes, I do. The yeah. logo from hell. Yeah, it's it's really well worth it. He's a he's a great filmmaker, and uh, this movie just shines. Take that Coke. You know, another yeah. movie that Coke got pissed off was Natural Born Killers because he used their. Wow, I, I'll be right back to you. Did you see that hit? Yeah. So natural born killers had coke in it and a, a, a not flattering light. Yeah, because it was it was interspersed with a murder. It would, he would cut oh. to like their crimes and then a coke commercial. Look, you see how they're going back to all this stuff. Yeah. That, you know, he falls on the cow with Frank Zappa, and now they're back in the cantina. But this is also like you know this cartoon aesthetic where all you had to do is speed up the action and put on this laugh track, and you got a television. Now, Nick, Nicholson wrote this stuff with them talking into a tape with their ideas, but. Hey, honey. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's Mickey just rapping inside the box. This, I mean, they weren't far off about television. Oh, here it comes again. Oh, my favorite scene. Faces of death. See, they cut to a cartoon of uh, shooting. They're all equal. Yeah. They're all magnetic tape images. From the Negative Land uh, song, where they're like, oh, oh, that really happened. Oh, no, it didn't. It's magnetic tape. Wow, look at that bra. Oh, oh a, the, that's the head. That's the guy from the that's trailer. The, yeah, that's the commercial. So I do like TV. I like movies that piss on TV like this. You know, this, these are just images and all images. Yeah. Remember I told you that in Los Angeles they premiered this and they didn't have a good uh, outing and everything? They named the movie. It wasn't called Head. It was called Movie Untitled. And the real joke of that was movie was spelled M-O-V-E-E, just like their name, Monkeys. Oh, I see. Clever, right? No, horrible. I would rather say a movie called Head. Well, you won because they changed it to Head. they were going to name it Changes, which was a Monkeys album and a David Bowie album, but they were going to name it Changes also. They didn't. Ooh, another David Bowie reference. You know, <laughs> Bowie's real name is Davy Jones. De- yeah, that's right. That's right. But David Bowie, he's dead to me. He is dead to me. <laughs> that's right. Davy Jones is his real name. So he had, to, he had to change it because it was Monkeys guy. Same one with Bowie. With Bo- he mispronounced Bowie. Bowie. Right. George Harrison would say Bowie. Oh, really? Keep a lot. Yeah. 
He says, I can't see you, David Bowie. Who are you really? You're always under makeup. You're he, in there. He kicked the television set, which caused the monkeys to react because they are television images. Yeah. yeah. So this is beauty. I love this music. So we're getting to the beginning of the movie. Exactly. Yep, there we are. So now we know why they ran. That's right. And we didn't see these other guys before. But, I mean, I'm sure this was like a pot-inspired dribble into the tape, and then Nicholson made it happen. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But this is like, they're ultimately, they're going to go in the water, and they're going to be captured in the box, and Victor Mature is going to drive them off, and they're off for more adventures. Like, the, the entertainment never ends. Yes. They try to kill themselves in the beginning and the end of this movie, and it doesn't succeed. And it reminds me of Marvel properties. No matter how many characters die, they're always re-brought up, you know. What about Iron Man? That guy is gone, daddy, gone. But I think you're still right. I mean, they're making sequels of people who died in Infinity War. Well, I mean, you got you have your Black Widow, you have your uh, uh, your Loki. Loki died. I, I mean, why keep dragging this shit out? Yeah, yeah. And even, like, Cruella, it's like, the character's been defined. Why, you know, so I can relate to the Commercial property. They're trapped. These characters are trapped. They're never going to be able to die. They're never going to, they're always going to be brought out for your entertainment. And then the porpoise song plays again. They're all jumping. Dick. Talk. I spoke to a porpoise. He told me what's up. A porpoise told me that an otter pop is a filthy sexual term. That was a poor porpoise joke. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I sound like Kip Adada doing all these fish puns, just for the hell of it. Wow. So they, 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 how did they do this? Was it dummies they threw in the water, or they actually had yes. people jump in? No, okay. So what they did is they had jumping. See right there, it's just all a blue background, Right. right. So you don't really know how high the trampoline is going or the jumping is going or that the camera's upside down. And they intercut that with dummies, but only the dummies would hit the water. There were stunt people jumping. Wow. But you couldn't tell. And then the Beatles jumped. Uh, sorry. The monkeys jumped against the blue background. And they, I did that in the uh, grasshopper one on fish burgers. He falls right. off the roof. And then I have the shot of him zooming down past the camera, but it's all blue. You can't see how high. And then he jumped off the shed and hit the ground, remember? But when yeah. you cut them all together, he fell two stories. Right. Oh, yeah. The miracle of uh, editing. Yeah. Any public domain television show, from, any public access television from the night. So now it's not just Mickey in the water like in the beginning. It's all of them. Yeah. And this is the Bahamas. And they are trapped. They hit, they hit a wall. And then off we go. Now, this song, by the way, I fucking love. Look, they're in their box. You get the joke? Ed. See, now but here comes... That's the... where they were trapped when they were doing their yeah. TV show. Now, I have to tell you something embarrassing. Like, when I started doing comedy in the 90s, I sang this song, this song on stage. Like, uh -huh. I have a tape on these... Going, hey, I, I had this song stuck in my head. I have no idea. Timothy Carey, Vita Scotty, the cast. Yep. Casey Jones, 
I mean, these are names I should recognize. Yup. And I mean, uh, Timothy Carey, Percy Helton, Ray Nietzsche. There's Terry Garwood. Her name is spelled with a Y. Carol Doda. We know Carol Doda. So Purpose Song was covered by Carol King and not had anything to do with Burt Baccarat. Perfect. Yeah, this is classy. So even this movie, the the studio door closes and the film warps and, and goes up its own ass, I guess. That's Tony right. Has, and you've got uh, credits written backwards, the names written backwards. Right, See? I didn't even notice. Yeah. So, so coming down, man. This is a great film. Dude, yes, the music plays. There's a laughter at the end, too. Raybert. Thank you, Columbia. Look what a great logo. What's hey, happening to it, Mike? What's that? What's happening to the logo? Oh, no. But there's like a laughter. I want to hear the woman. Great ending. Giggly. It really is a great ending. Yeah. Then what's these guys doing here? Oh. Uh, it's Rhino Videotape. So funny. So we're essentially yeah, over. Carl, what'd you think of the movie? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I think that it stands the test of time. Yes. It's appropriate for its time. I hate all the things that, you know, it, it was a, you know, it was a real life failure story. But what's most important that I learned from our show today is that I need to do the Aqu- Aquaman kelp joke next <laughs> Hey, buddy, listen, if you can make that joke work, Shy, then... Uh, kelp. Kelp. kelp! What an asshole, man. A, he's like, where's the kelp? He said, kelp me. He oh, saved me and everything, but he wasn't gonna. I'm telling you, that joke's not gonna work because it's not grounded in the real life. You have to make several assumptions. If it's a Twitter joke, you read it and you throw it away. <laughs> but if you say it on stage, you're like, so does Aquaman exist? Well, uh, it's an open mic. So, you know, you see what works. I'll send you the horrible failure that it will be as a joke i also know i uh, learned to youtube the logo from hell by rodney asher and ibm imdb him so oh, yeah if you have hulu check out his movie a glitch in the matrix uh, it's excellent he did a movie called uh, room 227 about uh people having uh theories about the movie the shining and it's it's really good it's a uh, I, I mean it's a little bit of bullshit trip i think but i i love it Hulu has the glitch in the Matrix. I'm writing that too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a great movie. That's on Hulu. I highly recommend it. So, um, Mike, what did you think of Head? I absolutely loved it. Well, here, I have three points as well. I loved it. I loved it. And I loved it. It's, you know, I love pop culture movies, movies about pop culture, and you can't get any more pop culture movie about it. Covered all bases. Yeah, it's eating its own tail. It's it's chasing. It goes up its own ass. It's everything I love about a pop culture movie. And one of the things I do like about movies that we we find are the movies that are television shows becoming movies, like Twin Peaks, say, and rock bands having their own movies. Yeah, uh, like uh, Bobby Sherman. I don't know, like uh, Paul like Revere the Kiss and the Phantom. Kiss meets the Phantom, which yeah. we didn't do yet. You had a, a lovely daughter. Who was that? It was uh, Paul Revere. I'm being tripped up on that movie. But, yeah, we, we 
much give you regards to Broad Street. When I'm, and when the I'm first I'm, Elvis one, which was really yeah. the only one he should have ever Broadway. made. Yeah, so it's like when a pop star does a movie, it, it becomes a pop culture thing. And a TV show becomes a movie, it's a pop culture thing. So the fact that this band with a TV show made a movie about the depth of their career, uh, their career it's amazing. And uh, yeah, I absolutely recommend it. The songs are great. I had this, the CD soundtrack from Rhino. It was terrific. Uh, and it had that little ditty at the end, too, that little fake classical number. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, a great movie, and this is the second time we're doing it. We do apologize for talking over the sound effects and the songs, but, you know, we do recommend you watch this movie several times. So Yeah, but- watch it without us. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. if you, I think you should see it before you listen to our show, but it's really good. It's really good. And acid is optional, of course. Right. Come down from it. Don't watch it during. You'll freak out. Come down from it and then see it. It takes eight hours to come down and you lose a day. You might as well just sit and watch this movie. Right, especially on video. Watch it on video. Yeah, I guess the Criterion Collection. I'm going to have to keep my eye out at Amoeba. Yeah, usually we're watching the Crapeterian Collection. This was a change of pace for us. Well, you, you'll see, like, you see online, someone will take a bad movie and mock up a Criterion Collection uh, cover. But this one's for real. Well, great. Uh, well, that's the end of our show. Carl, thank you so much for researching. Uh, and of thank course, you, Mike. Watch this delightful movie several times. Um, we will be back next Sunday, 2 p.m., here on MutinyRadio.fm. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast at L- Bingo. A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, I got it. Uh, and our YouTube channel, and we're on Facebook. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Uh, we got a lot of great shows. Uh, uh, so just keep listening. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm not going to tell you <laughs> next week's movie. That's a surprise. Right, because we don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're uh, uh, yeah, we're getting the flow of our shows down. Well, uh, next week, no, next week we'll be watching Milan, the Disney classic. <laughs> next week we'll be watching uh, Terms of Endearment. Oh yeah, right. Might as well say it. Oh, you know, we should watch this. I wonder if the Evening Star is on it. Terms of Endearment had a sequel. Yeah, the Evening Star, and Jack Nicholson was in it. No, no, I'm wrong. No, he was. He was briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a flashback or something because he died. He was. Uh, he he was one of the people who was on the moon. And she had a Van Gogh or a Renoir, remember? We'll find, we'll find an excellent evening star quality movie next week. Don't you fret. So until next week, I hope you guys uh, have a great week. And uh, that is in week. Check out carlsucks.com for showtime. See, you'll be at Scotty's in Springfield, New Jersey this week. Yes, every bloody week. It's pretty weak. Rather weak. I, uh, I'm going to be doing my first Los Angeles sh- uh, show, an outside show in downtown uh, Los Angeles is by the, by this point it's already occurred. So, uh, yeah. Wow, Mike, you're a star, man. You live in L.A. Don't say Los Angeles. You live in L.A. Oh no, I say Los Angeles. I don't say L.A. Are you in the Valley? No, that's two different things. I'm not in the Valley. Are I you do. by La Brea? Uh, the street. I guess I don't know the tar pit. Uh, have, dro- yeah. have driven Monhol- Mulholland Drive yet? I've, I've, I've been racing down the hill with my buddy Dennis, the ghost of Dennis Hoffman. <laughs> Did you cruise Ventura Highway yet? <laughs> Did I drag race at the reservoirs? <laughs> Did I, oh, 
did me and the rest of the Buckaroo Banzai guys walk around the uh, reservoirs? Mike, I'm coming to visit you now. You live in L.A. I mean, I will drive through Pasadena. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. I will be in downtown, the one, your tallest building. We have to get you, like, a fat burger and a, what, uh, and a <laughs> Chucky burger and a Gucci burger. And, and I got to go to Muscle Beach. Which way to Muscle Beach? And Santa Monica Pier. Yeah, we got to shoot a movie in Santa Monica Pier. Definitely. I'm coming. I'll show you the hottie and the naughty house. on Perfect. We did that. I'm coming out there when it's winter here, so I can steal a little summer. Well, apparently winter is the best time of the year to be here, so definitely not now. Well, all right. Now that we know my personal life, we should wrap it up. Uh, on, you should call it um, uh, Rodeo Drive. Just say it to people. Yeah, I was on Rodeo Drive. You got to do that. Oh, and then when I say Beverly Hills, like I had to do it like that song. I had to say down. Oh, yeah, down in Beverly Hills. Tell Yeah, right. Tell everybody you're from Frisco and you were on uh, Rodeo Drive. And I was on Rodeo Drive. Uh, like Houston Street in New York. Houston Street. I think the show ended long ago, and now we're having a real podcast. Right, now we can start the show. All right, that's it. We're done. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with more. This is Carl, uh, I, I'm Mike's friend. I wrote this song. Uh, my turn-ons are satin sheets and the way champagne tickles my nose. I love to paint outdoors. Listen, you should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl, the French duh, not the duh. Let's watch a full-length movie on you.